heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Folks, it's a wonderful time of the year. I like it. I hate it. But, 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 it's all fun. Why? Because you get to talk speculation, you get to talk what ifs. It's just that carousel that never stops spinning. And I've got that carousel right here because not only do I have one guest, I have two guests once again. I've got Danny. I've got Jared Silverclight, the trust fund benefactor, all three of us here talking football, maybe a little New York football, but gentlemen, how are we feeling today? Yeah, man, uh, trying to make a deal today, you know, uh, potentially join this trust fund, but uh, nah, we got uh, the opposite sides of the spectrum. We got a Giant fan, we got a Jet fan, so we're going to try to both live in our misery to, you know, come to a conclusion that we have a future. Exactly. I am. I'm amped up. I got a clean slate. The Giants are once again in first place in the NFC East. It's time to make my preseason ten and seven division winner prediction once again for the. <laughs> I don't for either, I don't know how many years in a row that it won't come true. But the playoffs are over, which means everybody's on an even playing field. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing right now. It's everyone zero and zero. I know. We were talking before, and Jared was saying that every team has hope except for the Detroit Lions. Exactly. But at the same time, too, every team, every team though, does. Like, it's that time of year where teams think, hey, we can go out there. We can do this to get our team better. What do we have to do to get our team better if you're picking within the top five? I know it's not the best year for drafting, and I know both of your teams have top five. I believe – I know the Jets are four. I believe the Giants are picking fifth. Um, you guys get to have someone come in. You get to experience – uh, some resounding hope. I know both of you guys also have picks within the top 10. It would have been cool to have seen it if it was like New York, New York, New York, New York, but unfortunately cards didn't fall that way. But uh, Jared, I am going to have to make you wait because first I want to talk a little bit New York Jets just because I know it's Danny's Ooh. team. Um, but Danny, where are you right now mentally when it comes to this team? Like, do you think that they're like, what exactly do you want to see them do this offseason to make the team better? Yeah, man. No, I'm I'm super hyped about uh, this offseason. Um, you know, we have all cap space. We have no contracts we're really giving out other than, you know, if they decide to pay Quinn and Williams or not. So all future cap is on the table when it comes to this free agency class. Um, you know, we have double the amount of draft picks that normally a team would have to be able to rebuild. So we'll be able to uh, hopefully reboot this thing a little quicker. So, I mean, listen, man, it's going to be very hard to uh, to get this wrong. And I know Joe Douglas is feeling a little bit of pressure here that he has to get it right with Zach Wilson. I think he will. Um, so, yeah, no, nah, if you want to jump into it, I'm, I'm down. Who, who are you eyeing it for there? Who are you eyeing it for? Is it Stanley? Is it maybe Thibodeau drops? Right. Is it an offensive lineman? Yeah, man. Th- Thibodeau's my guy. We know that. Um, I don't know. I, I, with all this, all this stuff going on, though, man, I, I, I'm hoping it's smoke because I really do. I'm starting to believe he's going to be there at four. What does concern me, though, a little bit is, you know, Salah went on a fan call uh, the other day with, with Jet season ticket holders, and he had mentioned, he was like, oh, um, we're not looking for, for people that are just trying to build their brand and are just in it for the money. They want somebody who really loves football. So I don't know who else he would be talking about, but, but Kayvon Thibodeau. 
And I don't know if this is a smokescreen or not, but if he's there on the board and, and they pass on him, you know, for, for a franchise that, again, once again, I say this every year, hasn't had a pass rusher since John Abraham, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow, especially to see the Giants draft him at the very next pick. So, you know, I'm hope I'm hoping uh, Kayvon's the pick. If he's gone before we even pick that, that you know, I, at least I can live with that. But if we were to pass on him and he becomes a great player, that's just going to sting forever. Um, I do like Icky. I think Icky would be a good pick. Just anybody but Kyle Hamilton, man. You know, like, and there's nothing wrong with the player. I'm sure he's going to be a phenomenal, great player. But we don't have the luxury to draft another safety top four. Listen, we had Jamal when he was an all-pro. You guys saw the trade, two first, a third. Great player. The team was still shit. Did not matter. Safety does not change the game. So definitely not on board with Kyle Hamilton. That's going to be the one thing that pisses me off that night if they go that route. I don't think they will. Um, I think Joe Douglas is smarter than that. But at the end of the day, man, it's going to come down to what we do in free agency first. All these mock drafts don't make sense because we can go open up free agency and, you know, we can go sign a Brandon Sheriff and we can go sign or trade for a Calvin Ridley. And that completely takes um, wide receiver being a draft pick off the board in the first round. That completely takes an O-line being uh, a draft pick in the first round off the board. So everything is going to be determined by free agency, what we do uh, in two weeks. Yeah, exactly. It's that, it's that wonderful time of the year. But like I was saying off air too, there's a lot of stuff that gets talked about at the combine. So that's why I feel like the combine is so important because there's going to be a lot of those like agent uh, agent GM meetings being like, hey, who's interested in my guy? Where am I going to go? How much money am I going to get? Um, but with the Jets, so actually, I don't know if you saw it today, Danny, with the mocks, but Eki Aquanu, the um, offensive tackle from NC State, actually Mel Kuyper has him going number one to Jacksonville right now. So we'll that would, that wouldn't be a bad pick. No, that wouldn't be. I think they 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 have to go offensive tackle. They they cannot afford to go another pass rusher. They got to They they're even. I mean, we're really deep into uh, making Zach work, but they have to make Trevor work. That's a that's a whole like he's your quote unquote. I don't think so, but your generational prospect. And if they fail that, man, that just you know with everything that went on with Urban Meyer already, you know they got to give him everything they can. I feel like if they went either Evan Neal or Aquanu. Uh, will like I feel like it's it's just a pick because I feel like one's gonna go to Houston, one's gonna go to Jacksonville. But I know Ugh. I know oh hope not. Who, okay, so okay, we're gonna get into the Giants now because look, we got a lot <laughs> to uncover. Obviously, new coach, new GM. Jared's been quiet for too long. The the man who talks for a living has been silenced for almost seven minutes. Exactly. Now. You it's know the handle, him. man. Jared talks loud. I've I've been silenced. You see the but graphic, a- talk loud. Yep, yep. So, I mean, honestly, this season could not have gone better uh, for me. Um, one, well, once we got off to that wretched start, because the worst thing that a bad team can do is scrap up those meaningless wins toward the end of the season that makes you think, okay, well, maybe if we just give this current regime another chance, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're, we're not there yet, but we're on the right track. That was the the diatribe I've been hearing throughout the Dave Gettleman era, and I'm so happy that things imploded in such a disastrous fashion that gave John Mara no choice but to move on completely and to absolutely blow this thing up from a front office standpoint. Um, That's all I could have asked for once Daniel Jones went down with that injury was to lose out their remaining games to get the best draft pick and to ensure that Joe Judge was going to get fired. And for once, I'm super confident in the decision makers that 
they've brought in for this team. I mean, finally we got uh, what looks like a winning GM head coach combination. I love Joe Shane. The more I hear this guy talk, the more I like him as far as, um, you know, his, just his experience, um, his mindset, uh, the fact that he's totally, you know, open to doing uh, whatever whatever's necessary with this roster to rebuild. It sounds like nothing's off the table as far as players that could be moved. And which really, I mean, the state of this franchise, I don't think that there's there's maybe a couple there's a couple guys that you would say um, would probably be more valued than others. But you don't, you know, it's safe to say there's no forever players on this roster. There's a couple really good ones that I'd like to keep. But for the most part, you got to consider just about every option as you look to rebuild the roster. I like bringing in Dayball, offensive-minded head coach. Our offense has been absolutely embarrassing for a number of years, ever since Eli retired, So, and, and even before that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I like the direction that we're heading as far as uh, that goes. Um, now, cap situation, unlike the Jets, um, Giants are obviously in a really bad cap situation. So... This is I'm expecting this to be a multi-year process as far as the rebuild goes. Free agency, the Giants are going to be sellers. They're probably going to be looking to move as many of these contracts as they possibly can. Some of these guys they're unfortunately totally stuck with, like Adore Jackson and Logan Ryan. But James Bradbury is a guy who, even if they have to take the dead cap hit, they can still save money by releasing him if they can't find a trade partner. I, I want to cut you off for a second. I did see his name today because I saw a tweet with a bunch of Giants players of saying you can either cut him or restructure him, and Bradbury's name was brought up because I know people don't just want to cut him. They want to try to trade him to get some value back for him. Oh, yeah, absolutely, because he um, he's on a backloaded deal right now because he took a – they restructured last year in order to accommodate – um, Adore Jackson and Kenny Galladay and some of the other big ticket free agents they were bringing in. Cause I mean, Dave Gettleman left this team in a horrible position cap wise last off season giants were kind of entering and people thought, Oh, they really, it looks like they got a lot of free agents on their radar, but they really don't have a lot of money to work with. And they restructured Blake Martinez's deal, Bradbury's deal, just to accommodate these guys who didn't live up to the money whatsoever. Blame it partially on coaching and scheme, but at the end of the day, they are stuck with a lot of big ticket contracts. And a lot of these guys are contracted through 2023. So they're probably going to be looking to shed as much as they can, but it, they're not going to completely get that clean slate. Um, that being said, I mean, they're, they're going to do what they have to do as far as putting themselves in a position to sign their, you know, their draft picks and coming into the top 10 with two picks, five and seven. I'm hoping and it sounds like they are going to make offensive line a priority. It has been a fatal flaw for this team for a decade. And right now they've got one functional offensive lineman out of five. And I'm hoping that, you know, Equanu is the guy that I'm eyeing at number five. But the more I'm hearing about Tib falling, it sounds like there is the possibility that Equanu and Evan Neal could both be gone before the Giants even pick, which would be a rough situation, but Charles Cross is a good consolation. I think really their ideal situation, although I'm certainly not against Tib if he falls to them at number five, but if he's off the board, if they're able to get their O-line, get, the, get their tackle at five, and then trade down that seventh pick and still pick up a Tyler Linderbaum, uh, let's say in the mid-teens, because that's really where an interior lineman would be uh, more fairly valued in the first round. Because that's really what I, I want to see them go all in on offensive line. I think that you maximize these two picks, really try to get this thing fixed. Because if you've got, 
ideally Equanu and Linderbaum to complement Andrew Thomas. Now, you, you know, maybe, you know, you've got some space to bring in somebody decent in free agency. All of a sudden, this isn't a horrible offensive line anymore. Yeah, exactly. That's because I know I've seen a few Giants fans clamoring to get Linderbaum at seven, but you're right. It's like the Kadarius Tony situation last year. You could have had him at 11. You wait, you trade back, you get some stuff with him, and then you get um, Linderbaum, say, in the mid-teens. Because I know this quarterback class isn't exactly as bright as it's been in years past. Look, obviously you, like Danny and I both got our new quarterbacks last year and Jones and Wilson. Jones, we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> Mitch Trubisky, QB1, probably may happen. Yes, sir. Um, I'm the head of oh that, my God. Head you, of that you've campaign. Been, you've, been, you've, been, you've been talking to Dan Goes Ham too much. He's poisoning your mind. <laughs> no, I, and literally, <laughs> I, I saw it literally today because Sean McDermott was talking at the combine and they brought up, will Trubisky be back? And there was a, I believe it's also the Steelers, the Saints, and the Commanders. Well, the Commanders willing to trade Chase Young, which if they do that, they're just stupid. Um, but <laughs> Don't put it past them. I'm not going to put it past them at all. But um, no, I, I have jokingly say it, but I still think, though, that because I think Mitch Trubisky gets a lot of flack. If you look at his starting appearances, he's gone to the playoffs twice, and he had a 12-4 and four and two 8-8 eight and eight seasons. I know he's not exactly great, but those those numbers aren't horrible for record-wise. It's just the Chicago situation was really, let's just say, not ideal. Of, cor- of course not. I mean, they're already screwing up Justin Fields. Obviously, it's a quarterback wasteland at this point, and the fact that he would be grandfathered into a system that he's familiar with having – you know, worked under Dayball. I'll say this. I've got Would no you rather problem. have him or Mike Glennon? Exactly. That's yeah. exactly where I was going with that. I, I just sat through two months of the most laughable quarterback play, maybe in the history of the New York Giants franchise. There is no way he could possibly be worse than Jake Fromm or Mike Glennon. No way in hell. So I'm totally okay with him being a backup. And hey, if he if he does wind up starting at some point because Daniel Jones really ain't it, then you know that's the way it is. This is the last straw for him. They didn't pick up his fifth year option for a reason because this is a prove it year. And I think he's been dealt a bad hand. But at some point, if you're not seeing the results, no matter who you want to blame, you got to cut bait. And also, too, what do you? Uh, I just want to ask, where do you stand on Saquon? For obviously, he's going into his fifth season. Do you extend him, or do you wait and then maybe let him walk next year potentially? Okay, so Saquon, I'm I'm a little bit torn on. I think if you could go that, back in time, you draft Quentin Nelson instead. Uh, oh hell yeah! I mean, yeah, okay. I I think it was a huge mistake to take him at number two. Um, I I do think Saquon is still you know, young enough to turn his career around. But running back is such a young position in this league. It's such a replaceable position. And, I mean, he is definitely, when healthy, a high-end running back. He's one of those, you know, do-it-all, dual threats, game record. You know, he can – he's great. But the fact that he is entering his fifth year and where the Giants are as a franchise, where they need to get away from these big money deals and go for that clean slate rebuild, you know, I'm – do I think that the Giants could recreate Saquon's production by taking a couple smart mid-round running back picks within the next two drafts? Yes, I do. Are they going to have a bell cow? No, but they can still manufacture an effective running game, which is way more important in today's NFL than to have a do-it-all running back. Because sometimes you put all your eggs in one basket, 
like the Carolina Panthers. And yeah, Christian McCaffrey has had some amazing fantasy performances over the years, but are the Carolina Panthers where they want to be as a franchise? Hell no. So I do think that the Giants should explore trade options for Saquon. They're not, I don't think that they're going to move him for anything less than a second rounder. Um, also, yeah. one other point I want to make, and Danny's going to agree with me on this, because look at what the Giants did last, not the Giants, the Jets did last year. Michael Carter was what, Danny, a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick? Fourth round, top of the fourth, yeah. Exactly. So you can do something like that this year where there's going to be someone there like later on, because I always love to say this about the draft. For as much as day one picks are good, it's when you hit on those day two and day three picks. Is that's where you win. That's where you win the draft. Like, look at last year. I'm going to be a biased example, but New England last year got Ramondre Stevenson in the fourth round, and they got Christian Barmore in the second round. Those are players who came in right away and made impact with the team. If you can get those guys on day two and day three, you're going to win the draft. Hell, I know we kind of bagged on a bit, but look at the Detroit Lions and Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and really, I think that that's um, – uh, why the that's a big reason, like why Dave Gettleman failed so much as a general manager, is because he fell in love with particular uh, high graded players in the first and second round. He did he did come away with a couple great steals on defense in his final two years in the second round. As far as McKinney and Ojolari, those were great picks. But you look at his third rounds and beyond as GM, absolutely abysmal. Most of these guys are not starting caliber players in the NFL whatsoever. So, you know, and when you hear Joe Shane um, talking about stockpiling as many picks as possible, it sounds like he's talking about stockpiling as many draft picks as possible and trying to rebuild the team through the draft. I think that that that's what they're going to be looking to do. I'm expecting at least one trade back move from the Giants uh, with one of their early picks, whether it's one of those first rounders or potentially a second rounder. Because I, I think that they're just going to be looking to uh, get their hands on as many young players as possible and try to win in those mid rounds. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's because that, like, that's like I said before, that's what you got to do. Um, even to look at last year, like how I'm going to give another Jets example, Elijah Moore, right at the top of the second round. Um but for the most part, I feel like the Giants this year are where the Jets were last year. You know, new regime coming in. I know, obviously, Joe Douglas was a new, but you had Robert Sala coming in. You kind of understood, look, you have to build through the draft. You have to get your guys when you can, and that there's not going to be a lot of expectation. Like, I, I don't mean to do this in a negative way, but if I had to put a stamp on what I think the Giants could do right now, I would say five, maybe six wins in the ceiling for next year, just because they know, hey, new coach, new GM, Daniel Jones, we'll see what happens there. They could su- surprise some people. I might be wrong, but I think for right now, five and 11 to six and 10 is like the best case scenario for this team. And that it's looking at, you know, 2023 and beyond to really start making those steps to get back into playoff contention. That being said, which isn't a bad thing, which is no, it's not a bad thing at all. It's just one of those things that I feel like a lot of NFL fans, because I'm guilty of doing this in 2020 with my Patriots where you think everything's fine, but then you realize it's not. And you know what you kind of realize that you, you think to yourself and you say, Hey, you know what? If I have to go through another year of pain, I know for me, that's a bit of a double standard saying that, but if you go through that year of pain, you can only get better from here. You know, like it's like think of short-term failure could turn into long-term success potentially. Sure. And that's definitely a realistic outcome. I don't think that there's any reason to expect success. Um, I do, I do think that there is the capacity for them to be better than that just because 
Um, compare them to the Jets this year. I think that their roster comes with a little bit more experience. And with this whole new coaching staff coming in, I mean, they've got they've got good minds, you know, in charge here. I mean, Dayball is a first-time head coach, so you don't know entirely what you're getting there. Um, but he certainly had a lot of success as an offensive coordinator. Wink Martindale, amazing hire for defense, I think. And I really think that it was more of um, – I mean, I think that their 4-13 and 13 record was more a fault of just abysmal leadership, abysmal schemes, horrendous coaching, horrendous preparation. And I, I don't necessarily think they were a 4-13 and 13 roster. I think that they were maybe a 6-ish you know, win roster. So seeing how... After seeing how the draft comes together and seeing how this new coaching staff comes along, how the players respond... I definitely would not predict more than six wins, but I I wouldn't necessarily call that their ceiling. Maybe just more re- most realistic. Most realistic is fair. Yeah, realistic. Like I, I I'm not gonna like hey, for all we know, the Giants could turn a corner and they're somehow in the. They're, I'm not saying somehow, but like they could be in the playoff hunt. Like hell, we saw this work with the Bengals literally two years ago, where they were two and fourteen going to the 2020 draft. They were just in the Super Bowl. They didn't win. But I feel like an example like that where, you know what, you get the right coach, you get the right players, you get the right quarterback, it can cause room for hope. And that being said, because I know earlier today, Danny reached out to me about someone saying that Zach Wilson probably could be a bust. I, I'm here to say right now that I think out of all the second-year quarterbacks for this coming season, and I'm excluding Mac because of how – I know, look, it ended badly for not – not badly, not ideal for Mac – but I don't think people are expecting, you know, where Mac's going to gonna come on the scene and be like, hey, here's Mac Jones. I feel like we're going to get the same Mac Jones. But I feel like with all the other rookie quarterbacks from last year, you know, Fields, Wilson, Lawrence, I feel like Zach is that one that can really catch people off by surprise. So I'm trying to say that, too, with Daniel Jones. If Daniel Jones can do the same thing in his fourth season, catch people off by surprise, look, it's just going to make Joe Shane feel more comfortable that, hey, if they do, do decide to give him that fifth-year option going into 2023, as opposed to, being in a situation you know right now where the Cleveland Browns are. Because, look, honestly, I'd rather be in a situation where you know you have confidence in your quarterback because in two years, like next year, you, I don't think any Giant fan wants to experience with Jones what the Browns are currently experiencing with Baker because for all we know right now, they're exploring options. And at the same time, too, you don't know who's your starter. I feel like that's really bad for the organization as a whole. So what I'm trying to get at with the Giants is, look, hopefully Brian Dayball can work with Daniel Jones – Worst case scenario, if you don't look, there's going to be a great there's a great quarterback. There's a Bama quarterback that's going to be coming out next year. Next year is Bryce Young year, so I'm just saying. Worst case scenario, I, I think there's a chance you see Bryce Young in Big Blue. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, they got they got to see what they have. They want to, you know, um, they're going to give him one more chance with this new regime. Um, and if not, then you know you move on. It's it's as simple as that. Yeah, exactly. But um. Daniels so the thing with me, th- yeah, no, no, just real quick with the Giants. The thing with me is I think they they really should have picked up the option because if Daniel Jones does go ball out, now you really do have to pay him on a, either a franchise tag, which is going to be even more than the option would be, or extending him without really knowing. So if you're not finishing with the number one overall pick next year and, you know, Daniel Jones is kind of like middle of the pack, you know, enough to win – you kind of screwed yourself there. So I, I don't know. I think they should have picked up the option. Don't they have till like May 5th or something like that? I think they declined it. Hmm. 
I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my quick research on the fly. I'm pretty. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure unless they... Trubisky really does come in and, and and takes that job, that's a different story. Y'all really think Trubisky's gonna be QB one? <laughs> I say it half jokingly, but look, Buff, like under Buffalo now, there's like like I said before, there's three at least three teams calling him about starting. True, true. That's true. I mean, I'll say this about Jones as far as his performance last year. I think that um, he it wasn't. It pretty much like wasn't his fault. I mean, did he have great games? No, for the most part. But to me, like, like there were only a couple games where I kind of pinpointed, where you could have pinpointed that, like, he's kind of the fault of these negative plays. He's not playing up to par, and that's why the offense is failing. I think that he was just put in a terrible situation. I don't think Joe Judge ever was really behind him as the quarterback. Um, the play calling was far far too play it safe I don't think that they maximized his legs I don't think that they really worked to any of his strengths and they brought in all these shiny new toys for him to work with and they basically didn't call anything to get these guys involved it took them a whole month before they got Tony and John Ross involved in games Kenny Galladay was invisible all season long so I mean I I think one more year is the is the right approach um but and that being said I I support not picking up the option because you are still going off of hope, not results. And I have the article right here. It's This is from amny.com. Uh, basically, it says they're not likely to pick up his option, but Danny, it says right here, if Jones picks his games up in 2022, the Giants have the option to negotiate an extension or use the franchise tag, which is $28 million, on him to keep him at MetLife Stadium for the 2023 season. So I agree with Danny in the sense of, you're potentially playing with fire, but I feel like, look, if he bottoms out or he doesn't improve, it's easier to get rid of him. But you know what? If he has decent quarterback play to the point where the Giants just missed the playoffs, you're in that window where, look, who knows what the cap's going to be in 2023. I expect the cap to skyrocket now with the new TV. TV, TV deals kicking in. Revenue's picking up again like normal. Like, because obviously I know, look, like I know Canada, we're starting, to, we're starting to more become like you guys. We're about a year late on that, but I know – we're going to see a full year of stadiums once again. I don't know if you know this or not, Jared, but the NFL contracts for the TV, $310 million over the next 10 years, including Amazon coming in. So that is going to bring a lot of money to the league. So what I'm trying to get at is, look, you can go without the fifth year option for right now, but just saying, it's like one of those things, it's like that expression from before. You can play with fire, but sometimes it might burn you. That's all. It's just, the, the and also, man, it's just like the parallels to the Sam Darnold situation are just so scary with uh, with Daniel Jones. You know, like, like our, I, I literally see, like, history repeating itself. Giant fans, like, really believe this guy's going to be, you know, their future, blah, blah, blah. Same thing happened with Sam, but, you know, we were able to get off the trade. We were able to... Uh, move on from him and not have to worry about, you know, is he really going to be that quarterback? And he wasn't, you know, he went to Carolina last year and stuck up the joint. So um, very thankful that I, I'm not over here preaching how Sam Darnold is going to be good, but you know, I see the giant fans falling in the same trap right now. Well, I think right now they're just kind of in a, it, it, it would have been a lot easier for the giants to move on if this was the Bryce young year, but considering that this year's quarterback class is so mediocre, that's how they wound up with Daniel Jones in the first place. Not to say that, you know, maybe, maybe Jones will deliver on the high end of those expectations, but you saw that year that he was drafted. Kyler Murray was really the only valid franchise quarterback available in the first round, but yet you see the giants, you see Washington reaching for Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins. Why? Because they're by default the best quarterbacks available. 
And I think that they did not want to make the same mistake again as a franchise. If they, they're not, it do, it doesn't seem like they're in love with any of these quarterbacks this year. So why waste this kind of draft capital on quarterbacks that are not worth it? Why not just roll with Jones for another year? And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, then next year you can move on, but at least you will, you will have potentially maximized your five and seven picks to get foundational pieces who ideally will be here for whoever the franchise quarterback is, which I think is the smartest thing they can do. I agree with that, but at the same time, I disagree just because I feel like, look, obviously it'd be easier if this was next year's offseason and there was better quarterback play. And I do agree with you in the sense, I think this year's the same sort of thing with the draft where you're going to see teams reaching for some of these quarterbacks. Like, you, I know I talk about this draft a lot, but do you guys remember the 2011 draft? where Cam was number one, and then people were reaching for Jake Locker and Christian Ponder and Blaine mm. Gabbert. Ah, studs. Remember that? Remember that? So I'm trying to say that. <laughs> yeah. I can see a similar thing happening this year. And also, too, I'm not, not not a knock on that draft. That draft has produced some of the best NFL talent right now. Vaughn Miller, J.J. Watt, Cam Jordan, et cetera, et cetera. Richard Sherman, Jason Kelsey, et cetera, et cetera. My only thing is with the Giants, I think if anything, bring in a competent backup so that if Jones flounders or gets hurt, I only do that because look, we don't wish for injuries here on the podcast, not to anyone. No, 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 no. It's a, it's definitely that, and that is where like Trubisky is going to come in because they've they've shown that they need a backup, not just for performance yeah. but for health concerns. There, there's definitely reasons to have a backup plan in place, which is I. I think uh, the idea they're going for hell, even a chase Daniel or someone like that. I know chase Daniel's not exactly a good quarterback, but he's basically lived the dream. No. You know, he, no, he I'm saying that for a sense of the veteran to guide Jones too. Like, like what we saw Brian Hoyer do with Mac Jones this past year. Well, the, uh, the fact that uh, there's not going to be a coach calling quarterback sneaks uh, from the goal line is already a positive. So onward and upward from here. <laughs> Football team minus six was one of my favorite bets of the year, week 18. Um, oh, uh, so, guys, anyway, on the next topic I wanted to get to is broadcaster free agency. And what is that, you may ask? Well, there's a lot of broadcasters who are switching this year. The TV money has a lot to do with it. We saw Joe, uh, I was supposed to say Joe, I was supposed to say Joe, uh, left and he's been calling Monday Night Football games now. I believe he's making around $20 million a year to do so, which is just insane. Um, so I want to ask too, so with all these TV deals, and the other ones too is obviously uh, Amazon's trying to get Sean, uh, Sean Payton and Al Michaels and then Kirk Herbstreet even to do games as well for them. Uh, but I want to talk about the Fox booth because that's a signature spot. And obviously, I know, like, for example, Jared, you're a fan of the Giants. So a lot of the games are on Fox. Who would you like to see partner? I'll talk, ask Danny on his opinions for this as well. But if you were to ask for a partner for Joe Buck, who would you want to go with? Um, that's, uh, that, that's, an, that's an interesting one. Um, I mean, it would... I mean, anything but Aikman. It's a good thing that they're breaking that up because that was getting monotonous over um, over a long stretch of time. Um, there's really um, no one that's uh, that's come to the top of my head as far as uh, as far as color guys. Um, I mean, are there any? If there's any recent players that have maybe uh, come out as being interested in commentary, 
Uh, maybe like a fresh, I, I could see like a, taking a chance on a fresh first time voice uh, just after how well Tony Romo's worked out over on CBS. That, uh, I, well, Romo's obviously extended through. Uh, there was a weird rumor too where they wanted like the networks are prepared to throw money at Tom Brady. I'd love to see that, but at the same time too, I feel like he, like Manning, I don't know if he wants to do that right away. Maybe because like, you know how Manning and Eli obviously look, Manning cast is great. But I think right. that, I think that Peyton, like Tom, like Peyton would rather wait a few years, enjoy retirement. And then maybe, you know what? Hey, someone's going to offer you this. Like, I don't know if you guys saw this. Well, but the Manning cast has been extended, I think for at least another two to three years at like, they're making a decent amount of money. I don't know what the exact total is, but I know it's, I know it's pretty good. I will say this on the Manning cast. Um, and obviously I love them both to death. To me, it was entertaining, but horribly distracting. I yes. did not, I did not want to watch that. For to me, it's like I would want to watch it after the fact. It would be an entertaining, like um, Monday morning recap of the prior night's game. But during the live broadcast, it was it, it, it was like I couldn't pay attention to the game. I remember throwing it on during Week One for that Ravens and Raiders game, and I I had to go back to the traditional ESPN because I just couldn't pay attention. Yeah, I'm the yep. same way. Like for the like, say for example, for the Pats, I wouldn't do it. I would watch the regular ESPN broadcast. But say if it's like a game I don't care about, kind of like that Ravens Raiders game, where it's just like background music, or I'm like doing doing the podcast. Because as you guys know, a lot of these things are recorded during Monday Night Football during the year. Then I would throw it on in the background. Yeah, no, I just couldn't get into it either. I just watched the regular. Uh, I gave it a shot like the first week or whatever. I was just like, I agree with Jared. It's way too distracting, man. Like, I'm just trying to be all about the game, you know, not hear side stories and stuff like that. So, but I, I get it. You know, I, I, I get the uh, the concept of it. It's just, you know, for, for more of a casual fan, you know, like somebody that's maybe doesn't have money on the game or something like that, you know, I could see why it's entertaining and why it works. It's just, you know, like I'll, I'll have money on every Monday night game there is. So money on the um, game. What are you talking you, about, Daniel? We, we, we don't, we don't condone gambling here. What the, what, we, we, <laughs> no, we, 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 sports. Betting on sports, what the hell is that? It's not like someone here has a partnership or ambassadorship with a certain betting app. But no, no, God, no, we don't. Yeah, it's, a, it's not like any. There's and there's definitely nobody um, uh, on this uh, show that puts together wacky twelve-way parlays on a weekly basis that never hit or anything like that. Or posts daily Instagram videos about bets that he may or may not hit once in a while. You're no, 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 we, we don't. We don't bet on sports. What the hell are you talking about? OBJ first tutter of the Super Bowl. This guy called it first. I had that in the uh, wild card game, actually, to be honest with you. But um, hell yeah, I know. I, I, I just on a sidetrack. You know, Danny's one hundred percent right, though, because that's the other reason why the NFL is going to be making so much more money going forward is because they finally accepted gambling as profit. I believe Danny sent this to me because Danny and I we always talk about like what, what like where we're leaning or what bets we're going to make. I think he said to me, I think New York State made like $600 million the first week in betting was legalized for like single game wagering. Like I even know too, like Connecticut. Yeah, and I know Connecticut too was having its problems at first, right? Even getting it to become legal. Right. And and it's interesting because uh, now that it's legalized, um, I've read about them backtracking on the daily fantasy games. So it's like um, the books are open, but the – the simple DraftKings um, fantasy games, those have now been outlawed in the state, which to me doesn't make any sense. Not, not at all. Those are, if anything, those kind of add a level of excitement to just watching football. Like I did it during the playoff. Like I don't do it every time, but I'll do it like 
say Thanksgiving or on a playoff Sunday. Like those are a lot of fun. Uh, we have not single game wagering, but we have a lot more basically where it's like New York's where it becomes officially legal April 4th in, here in Ontario. So we'll see what happens, but look, it's a moneymaker and it's here to stay. And even too, I said this man, fantasy football is a huge moneymaker for the NFL as well. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, that ca- that carries over directly into those uh, DraftKings and FanDuel games. A yeah. lot of the because a lot of these states where the books are not legal, they still have those fantasy games that are permitted. Yeah. So yeah, it's like every single every single game. It could be the the least watched game um, that gets the lowest ratings that, that really gets <coughs> blacked out in their area. They're still making money from a fantasy perspective. Exactly, one hundred percent. And also, Joe, I'm going to put the ticker up right now because I feel like this is a great time for me. I'm not going to do an ad read or anything, but I'm just going to quickly plug the podcast uh, podcast partner here, Betstamp. Uh, like I said, if basically it's just a site where you go. It's a, it's not a site. It's, excuse me. It's an app you can download. iOS, Google Play. Links are in the description, people. Basically, what it is, you go there and you shop for different books. Basically, it, you want to click on, say, for example, I'm watching the Raptors versus the Brooklyn Nets right now. And I can go on the app, find the game, and it will tell me which book will give me the best odds to win the most money, either the over-under, point spread, or the money line, or even two player props and overall game props. So that's Betstamp, guys. Download the app. Use promo code GRIFFBY when downloading. Um, thanks for bearing with that, guys. Um, I just wanted to move on to different topics, though, because we were obviously talking about 2019 draft earlier and how we said Kyler Murray's the only valid option. But now – the Arizona Cardinals are in a little bit of trouble. And since I know, Jared, you like to talk for us, I want to get Danny's opinion. Where yep. do you stand on the whole situation? What do you think is going to happen? And also, too, I saw PFF, Pro Football Focus did this. They have him go, his projected contract to be, like, around what Mahomes is making. Do you think he's worth the same amount, a little bit under, or a lot less than what Mahomes or Allen are making right now? Uh, I would say less for sure. Um, I don't think... Tyler, like he's a he's a very good quarterback, if not great, you know. Like, and what he brings to the game is is special. I just don't think he brings the same level of game changingness than a Patrick Mahomes and a Josh Allen. And it totally did not surprise me when I saw his agent was uh, who he is. You know, the same agent as Marcus May, who absolutely screwed his uh, his client out of millions of dollars that he'll never see again because they wanted to be greedy. So I guess he's trying to make up this money on Kyler, but um. No, man. Um, what's more concerning is, is the people that are coming out on Kyler now. You know, you just saw Larry Fitzgerald's dad say something today. Um, and, you know, there's been the, uh, the the teammates saying that he's a finger pointer and stuff like that anonymously. So, um, yeah, man. No, Kyler, Kyler has to mature a little bit. Um, I want to see him, you know, play under his same contract this year and absolutely ball out. And then we can go talk about a contract, man. I'm tired of these, oh, we're going to get through two years, three years of our rookie deal, and we're going to be paid, you know, the most amount of money and break these shattering records. Uh, no, man, it shouldn't be done like that. So um, I, I say he has to – if he balls out next year, yeah, fine. Go ahead. Go for it. But, no, he's not Mahomes' money or, or Allen money. I also think, though, he not only has to ball out, I think he has to ball out and the Cardinals have to win a playoff game. I think that's oh, absolutely. That's absolutely. a huge caveat to this all because I think this year for the Cardinals, which it's also a good time to remind you folks tomorrow, I have a lot on Cardinals. Cardinals, uh, Cardinals reporter Alex Clancy will be joining me. We're going to discuss this situation further, but I feel like with the Cardinals in 2021, it was hey, make the playoffs, we'll see what happens. 
this year it's make the playoffs and then go further because I think, look, Kyler's contract's on the line. I think Cliff Kingsbury's contract's on the line. And I think that finally people are starting to tune into, hey, Steve Kime hasn't done exactly the best job, especially when it comes to drafting. Sure. I, I mean, I think I would actually go as far to say that the season ended in disappointment for Arizona. I mean, this team 100%. was in, they were in first place for half the year and then they stumbled to the finish. I mean, yeah, they, you know, losing DeAndre Hopkins, um, obviously that hurt, but Kyler Murray, that was one of, that had to have been one of the worst quarterback performances in recent NFL playoff history. It, the, the first half of that game, he did not look like a professional quarterback. It he looked seemed, scared. It seemed like every single throw that he attempted it, throughout the first half to three quarters of that game, every single pass was wrong. Even a pass that he completed, he threw it short and didn't maximize the space that the receiver had allotted for himself. And then um, to hear you know him coming out with this like list of demands through his agent, I mean, basically, it, it, the guy's acting like Aaron Rodgers, and he hasn't accomplished a fraction of what Rodgers has. The guy's a couple of years into the league. He showed some promise, but he's also showed a lot of inconsistency. And to me, it's like a team is supposed to want to unite around the quarterback. They're supposed to believe in you as a leader, but not just from a playing capacity, but from a character standpoint. And yeah. to me, it's like this is a – it looks like a nightmare situation. This is how you wind up with toxic locker rooms. This is how you wind up with players um, either wanting to leave or not wanting to come in. And, you know, the, again, for a team that hasn't won a playoff game in how many years, a coach that – a new coach that hasn't won a playoff game yet and Kyler himself. So he's got to get his ego in check or else it's going to be back to the drawing board for this franchise. It's going to turn into a blow it up situation if this doesn't work, because you got a system that was entirely designed around this quarterback. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate because it's not like the guy's a total lost cause. Obviously he's played at a high level for the majority of the last couple of years, but this is the type of thing that creates a toxic team environment. It, it one, 100% like, it's not just, hey, can you be the star, but can you lead and be the star at the exact same time? We're seeing Josh Allen do it. We're seeing Patrick Mahomes do it. We're seeing Joe Burrow do it. Um, hell, Justin Herbert's on his way to doing it. Um, you need these guys to realize, hey, it's not all about me. There in fact, no, There is no I in yeah. team. Yeah, and even to go with a lower-level example of that, Look at a guy like Derek Carr. Is Derek Carr the best quarterback in the world? No, he's not. Are the Raiders a great team? No. But he is absolutely a leader in that locker room. You, you know that team, they believe in him. He ta- he's selfless. He takes ownership. He ta- you can tell he takes his position as quarterback very seriously as a locker room leader. And like you see you know how that can bring – they had no business making the playoffs um, for, you know, for a multitude of reasons this season. But the fact that they were together as a group, that's why they got to where they did, even though there might have been other teams that are more talented than them, et cetera, et cetera. So you look at a team like Arizona, a guy, a guy like Kyler who possesses all the on-paper attributes, you wonder why teams falter. That's, that is part of the reason why. The only th- comparison to Aaron Rodgers I want to give is that he doesn't do any weird ass cleanses. I don't know if you saw that at all, either one of you. The, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, no, I did. Yeah, the whole like eating ghee, making yourself basically something about forcing your like making yourself bleed, forcing yourself to like vomit and shit yourself. It was like very, very weird. Wow, of all the uh, 
Of all the the bits that have landed Rodgers in the news, uh, that's uh, that's actually one that went under the radar for me. <laughs> I only knew about it because of Pro Football Focus. Um, There's a stat for that. They, 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 I was talked about it on a podcast. <laughs> um, but, uh, what's it called? Uh, yeah, Jared, when you're done this, um, when you're done recording here, I want you to Google. Pan, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to DM you the name because basically it's Panchakarama. That's basically what it's called, Panchakarama. Just Google Aaron Rodgers cleanse and read the articles, and you're gonna be like, "What the fuck." All right, will do. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only other situation with the Cardinals is too is that the fact that this is their first quarterback they developed in house. Look at all the other guys. Like Matt Leinart was a failure. Carson Palmer and Kurt Warner weren't drafted by the Cardinals. They were brought in. Correct. Who, who else have they? De- and also, we all know Josh Rosen just blew up in their face with. I don't remember if you guys heard that year. I know I talked about Josh Allen before, but Bills fans wanted Josh Rosen, and now I kind of think, fuck, I wish they had drafted Josh Rosen. <laughs> yeah, man. No, I was big on I was big on uh, <clears throat> Josh Rosen too at the time, man. Yeah, and I was totally everybody out on Josh was Allen. nope. Nobody thought for one second that Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson were the guys in that draft class. Yep. So you know that that further proves the point that the draft is really a crapshoot, man. They're all lottery tickets. They're all thirty. There's thirty-two lottery tickets that get announced on that first night, and then the rest is just plugging the holes you need to plug. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. One. One. I wanted to get into a game with you guys here on the show because obviously it's it's March first. Look, we're still a ways away from next year's Super Bowl in Phoenix. But I wanted to ask you guys. I'm going to get rid of this banner. Um, if I had to ask you guys for a dark horse and you can't name your team, and I'll do the same thing. Who is a team that you would have to say right now could be a potential dark horse to make the Super Bowl or go on a run like the Bengals did in 2021? I would never name my team in this, but um, hell no. I'm just saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying that just to basically be like the whole oh, like try to put bias aside. That's all. Uh, does the Broncos getting Aaron Rodgers count? Because I think that's possible, but I wouldn't want to say that. It's it's the off season, so. Anything goes. Mm. I want to hear what Jared has to say on that one. I was going to defer to you, man. I'm still thinking. Because <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I, I wanted to go NFC. I wanted uh-huh. to go NFC. And, and I really like I, – I do not – I feel like a lot of NFC teams are heading in the wrong direction going into next year. I think it's going to – I'm going to say this, um, which is not an answer to the question. I think that – Throughout this season, everyone was looking like the NFC was so superior to the AFC. I feel like it's going to be the opposite next season. Oh, the, the t- roles are reversed 100%. The AFC yep. is the better conference with the better quarterbacks. Very hard division or conference. I actually have one, and it may surprise you guys just based off how their season ended. But it's the Los Angeles Chargers. Okay. I could, I could see it. Yeah, that makes sense. I, 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 think, I, was gonna go, I think I was going to go Baltimore Ravens. But it, but it's like are the, I think you could go Ravens, but the Ravens were just a victim. I th- I think of a shit ton of injuries. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. And people people are out on them. Well, not out, but you know they're they're a forgotten team. You know, I'm well, sure so if that, you got yeah. their odds right now, they would be pretty pretty damn good. Plus sixteen hundred to win the Super Bowl next year. Take it, no. Danny. No, cash, <laughs> cash out mid season. That is a smart way of doing it, though. 
I gotta Google this because I know the um, I think the Chiefs and the Bills are at plus seven hundred, and then uh, I gotta I, I want to look up the rest just to see who's who's where. But I know I know for a fact the Ravens are. I know the Ravens are plus sixteen hundred. I know the Patriots are plus twenty two hundred. Uh, the Denver Broncos are also plus sixteen hundred. Um, I have to go. This is per the Athletic, so just give me a quick sec. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers are plus twenty five hundred, and also excuse me, the Ravens are plus two thousand. My bad. Hmm. Well, that's fair. I guess uh, for if I got to go dark horse, I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts. Of course, it depends on what they do at the quarterback position. But before they um, couldn't beat the Jaguars on week 18, they were looking like they were going to be that wild card team nobody wanted to play in the playoffs. And they're sneakily very balanced at just about every other position besides quarterback. And Jonathan Taylor right now um, might be, you know, he's got a staked as being the best all-purpose offensive player in the game right now. So I feel like they're that team that could totally get hot and go on a run. Talent on both sides of the ball. Again, depends what they do at quarterback. But if you're looking for a Cinderella team to come in at a low seed next year and win some games, I think it could be them. I, th- I think so, too. Um, the other team I wanted to – not team, but situation I wanted to point out because I don't know how, how much you guys heard into this, but the Miami Dolphins apparently wanting to pursue both Sean Payton and Tom Brady to be the head coach quarterback combination down in South Beach. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then Stephen Ross apparently lying and saying that the lawsuit basically is the reason why it didn't happen when I realistically think that – I'm gonna get. I'm gonna use a weird metaphor here, but he basically caught caught with his hand in the cookie jar, and he had to find a way to weasel out of his lie. Somewhere along the way, there is a truthful, outlandish Miami Dolphins story, but we've heard so many of them that I don't think that they can all be true. Because remember the other one about Brian Flores allegedly being tricked into meeting Ross on his yacht with Deshaun Watson and then Flores um, storming off when he found out that he was set up for that meeting and he had no interest, even though the, it clashes with other stories that Flores is the one who wanted Watson in the first place. So I feel like somewhere out there, there is something wacky that happened with Flores and or Ross, but not all of these things can be true. Oh, no, I don't think all of them can be true either. I think that's just... I think Stephen Ross is just so desperate at this point to find his franchise quarterback. And I know noted Dolphin and Tua supporter, once he leaves Miami, Danny will have more, more to go in on this. But I just think Steve, like all, all these owners see these like guys getting their quarterbacks and having success that like these like mid tier to like mid mediocre teams are just so desperate. Like we're seeing it with uh, David Tepper in Carolina. We're seeing it with Daniel Snyder in Washington that I think a lot of these teams realize, Hey, you know, it's like, oh, a quarterback can fix everything. Like, you know how you see this sometimes in, like, movies or television where a marriage that's struggling, they decide to have a baby and they think it'll make everything better? It's the same sort of narrative. Yep, I agree. Like, uh, just a weird, Yeah, definitely a weird situation over there, man. Just, I, I don't I don't know what it is with Miami. Like, they're that, like, I still say this, too, and I'm sure Big Rat will be back on it at some point and talk about this. I still say that the Mike McDaniel hire is either going to go really well for them and he's going to be a really good coach or it's going to blow up in their face and he's going to be gone by 2024. 
I'm intrigued. After the way that Debo Samuel absolutely... Uh, I, just, I just don't see how this works out for them, unfortunately. I do like the guy, though. I do. I, I thought his uh, press conference was entertaining, but weird he's just in a time. really bad situation here. But if he makes it work, man, you know, he, he that's there's a legit case that he that he belongs. It's just, you know, the odds are against him. I think it's too is as long as he's not like you know how Urban Meyer was like the main center point of controversy in Jacksonville. I feel like if he can like stay away from controversy and just do his job and coach, it'll work out and he'll stay well. It's oh Danny has disappeared on us. Um but yeah, I just think like like what I was saying, like you know, obviously, Urban, how he had the grinding story, the kicking players and stuff like that. If, sure. Mike, if Mike McDaniel just bees Mike McDaniel, I think he'll work in Miami. Yeah, no, I'm I'm intrigued. I think it's an interesting hire. I think Mike McDaniel is maybe not the – you may not think of him as the most prolific offensive coordinator in the game, but a lot of creativity is what you saw with San Francisco this year. Yes. Particular, particularly – this is a great hire for Jalen Waddell. After what he was able to, after what McDaniel was able to do with Debo Samuel, um, just the uh, the the unpredictability that he brought to his game and uh, how he he arguably was utilized um, the most creatively out of any wide receiver in the league this season. So I'm intrigued to see how Waddle progresses in his second year with this guy as head coach. And I mean. Jury's not, you know, jury's still out on Tua. I think to a degree, I, I'm not sure if I ever see this guy being great. But there's certainly enough talent on this roster, especially if Will Furler, you know, God willing, can finally stay healthy at least, uh, sort of somewhat. And now they have that same concern with Devontae Parker. But at full strength, this team does have the capacity to be a winning football team. They they came damn close this year, and. You know, for um, you know, without getting into too much details, it sounds like you know Flores was a bit divisive in the locker room, um, and uh, you know he had his favorites and kind of a my way or the highway type, um, depending on who you, um, depending on who you talk to. So if McDaniel's if if McDaniel gets the players, if they buy in, I think that this could be a dark horse playoff team. Wow. I, I still see them being that team that they're just on the outside looking in because when you look at the AFC, you have Cincinnati will probably be there. Baltimore, I think, will be back in the playoff picture. Cleveland and Pittsburgh, I don't know, but I probably lean towards more. Pittsburgh, probably not. And Cincinnati and Cleveland, I think they're a bubble team. Tennessee is a one I really don't know. I think Ryan Tannehill is just going in a weird direction. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I I know how Danny feels. I know there's a lot that that whole Ryan Tannehill debate takes over Twitter. Uh, shout out Big Ryan and Bobby. Um, and then with the AFC East, my Buffalo is going to be there. We'll see what New England is. I've look. I have, I'm going to have six months to talk and think about that one. And then with the AFC West, you have Kansas City, LA, maybe Denver. I want to say Vegas, but I truly think Vegas takes a step back this year. So I'm trying to think about out of all those teams I announced, they're going to have to hope that one of the teams that are expected to make the playoffs truly takes a back seat to get in. That's just me, though. Yeah, um, I do think it could be a situation. The, the West, you know, a lot of those teams, I think that you would take on paper over Miami if it is a situation where the West is beat. Is, that, that is always a division with a lot of parity underneath Kansas city. They all tend to beat up on each other. 
even though I think that you could make the argument for really any one of them individually to kind of take that step forward, it's not going to be all of them. I think that you're looking at best one wild card team coming out of that division. But that being said, the AFC East is unbelievably competitive. Um, I mean, and Miami, hey, for all intents and purposes, they could be that team that takes a step back because I think the Jets are likely to improve. Um, I think the Patriots are definitely heading in the right direction. Bills are a Super Bowl contender. Um, but I, I just, I just think Miami's kind of, uh, kind of unsung in this situation. I, I think that every single team in that division, um, is going to be, could be somewhat improved heading into next year, which makes it a little unpredictable. And by the way, today, the Patriots announcing that our people were announcing that the Patriots spoke to the following players at the combine, Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, and Traylon Burks. Those are the three players that they spoke to. And that makes me very happy because my, Ideal for the Patriots right now for the first and second round is wide receiver and linebacker. That's my two big concerns because we saw those. Look, the we need a wide receiver one, and our linebacking core needs a bit of retooling. Yeah, man. No, you're. Uh, if you got, if you guys somehow uh, were to land Burks, that would be that would be that would be crazy because the way you can scheme that guy open and and just the things he does is uh, that would really really help Mac Jones. You know, who has a, a limited arm, I might say. But but at the same time too, it wouldn't shock me to see Belichick do his usual thing and trade back in the draft. That, that I would, it wouldn't shock me either. Well, it's it's a it's a it is a deep receiver class. So, you know, if if you could get Jamison Williams in the second round potentially, you know, that's you know you pair him back up with Mac Jones. That's uh that's a connection that's already there. Exactly, or even to get John Mechie. And there's another guy whose name he's escaping my tongue right now. But there's a receiver I want to say out of I think Western Michigan. There's a couple guys um, yeah. that I like in the second. Uh, Dotson's a, a big one. Christian, yeah, Christian Watson State. I really like. The Penn State guy. Yeah, Sky Moore is really good. Sky so, Moore, yeah. that's who it is. Sky it's, Moore, yeah. It's Sky Moore. I just, just mixing up with schools. Um, but th- that's what I – and also that's what, that's what just that, – like it's, it's conversations like this, you know, is what I truly love about the NFL is that, hey, we're six months out from the next season beginning and we're already thinking of all these like – Oh, what's going to happen? What's my team going to do? Um, where are we going to go from here? But before we wrap it up today, guys, I want to ask both of you. I don't know how much of the combine you guys are going to be watching this weekend. I'm going to try to keep up with it as best I can. Just obviously work and everything like that. But who are some players that you're eyeing for your – I know we've talked about what players you'd want. But who are some players that you're eyeing at the combine to see how they perform? Uh, I think Kayvon's going to absolutely light it up. Uh, I think he's more of a combine warrior type of guy, but he's also a great football player. So I want to see what that does for his draft stock. If he like really wows some people, like, oh, what are we thinking? Like trying to, you know, like, uh, you know, put smoke screens out on the screen. You clearly see this guy is like a different breed of an athlete. So I want to see him. I definitely want to see Christian Watson. Um, I, I, I really like Christian Watson out of, uh, I think he's North Dakota State or something, but um, you know, I really want to see him kill the drills, and uh, you know, I want to see how Drake London does too. So, because I know the Jets are supposedly high on him, I don't know they're high on everybody. So we'll see. Those are my three guys I want to see. Oh, and Malik Willis. I want to see how Malik Willis does. I truly, before we get to Jared, I just want to add a point of the quarterbacks. I think you're going to see GMs calling teams after the combine if one of these like players just absolutely. Just goes in there and shows out. That that's just that's just something I have to say though. But Jared, I know you said, look, you'd want Aquanu, Neil. Neil is not performing at the combine. I don't don't know if you guys know that or not. Neil said today he's not going to do any of the drills. I think he's just going to do the physical testing and he's going to wait for his like his forty and his three cone and all that fun stuff. 
at Alabama's Pro Day, which I believe is April 9th. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But, Jared, what are some other players you're looking at this weekend in Indianapolis? I am really interested in seeing how Charles Cross does, mainly with all the chatter I've been hearing about Aquanu moving up the boards. This is a guy, like, because Aquanu several months ago wasn't necessarily pegged as top five by everybody, but now we're hearing about him as a possible number one. So understanding that there's a chance that both him and Evan Neal are both gone before the Giants even pick, I got to see how Cross does because he would be the next best option at offensive tackle, which is uh, an absolute must, I think, for this team with one of those first-round picks. And I'm also interested in seeing how Sauce Gardner does because it's a um, and there's another case there where Derek Stingley was pegged as the top corner in, in this draft for quite some time now. And then I've seen this guy move up and up the board. So I want to see if maybe Sauce can outshine him here in the combine. Um, Hamil- Kyle Hamilton is another one we've been hearing a lot about. Uh, much like Danny said earlier in the show, I also think he's the wrong pick for my team. I think that a safety has no business going that high. But nonetheless, we've heard a lot about those three guys. See who performs the best. That that's that's a big thing because really I've been saying this for a while and I'm going to say it again. This year's draft is not for what you need; it's for what you want, not for what you want. Excuse me. This draft is what you need because there is a lot of players. Look, I know. Yes. The quarterback class is not attractive. It's not that it's not attractive, but it's not as good as what it's been the last few years. This draft is literally going to be filled with guys that I think are going to come in and make a difference immediately. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it or not. I wrote an article on my favorite prospect. I'm going to give a spoiler alert. Is it, it is Aiden Hutchinson. I really like the kid. I can't even believe saying that. He's a kid, but he looks like a man compared to me. Um, but it's that, it's that fun time of the year. We'll, we'll get left of this again soon, guys. Once free agency wraps up, once the, maybe <coughs> once the draft to see where you guys are feeling, once the free agency holes get filled, who gets cut, who gets brought in, all that fun stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm just I was glad you guys were able to join again. Danny, as always, Jared's uh, first time I believe you were on since midway through the season. And I think the last time you came on was around this time last year with Big Rat and I. And I'm going to Yeah, feel- no, it, uh, yep. Uh, I'm yeah. Just, no, sorry no, it's sorry, you got, you got cut off first. It was like you that awkward pause. Yeah, no, I, I, yup, yup, yup. Yeah, I was just catching up. Yup, you're, you're absolutely right. Yep. Uh, you and me, Big Rat. This time last year, we were uh, speculating. I was probably predicting uh, 10 and 6 or something like that. <laughs> Before 17 became officially official. Um, just some quick announcement, guys, exactly. for the podcast that's coming up. Like I said, Alex Clancy will be with me tomorrow to cover the Arizona Cardinals. And next week, uh, we have my good buddy Tommy Stout coming back on. We're going to talk some Bears. And Luke Braun from Locked on Vikings will be coming on next week as well. So a lot of NFC North wow. talk next week. And then um, I may have some other surprises up my sleeves. We'll have to wait and see what that is. But anyway, guys, thank you very much for listening to today's episode, number 154 of YWC Football Talk. The road to 200 episodes continues. But, guys, anyway, enjoy the combine. Enjoy the season. More episodes are coming soon. And I'll see you guys next time. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. 
Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. We all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.